Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 228. I am Peter and joining me, unfortunately on his own, is Connor. Yep, still here. Still not getting rid of me. This is a DC Comics podcast. We get together every week and we talk about the DC Comic books we read that came out in the week prior. And occasionally some other random ones, but that's other context. Uh, coming up on this week's show, we have Justice League 57, which is part of Death Metal. And is notably set technically before issue 5 of Death Metal, which is why that's the second book on the list. And we got Batman 103, Aquaman 65, Catwoman 27, and Rorschach number 2. So those are the books we'll be talking about this week. Uh, There's a couple of bits of news as well uh, to get into. A couple of which are minor interesting. Uh, oh really? I hadn't noticed them. Things to get into. And one kind of bigger thing that's more to do with the movies than his comics, but worth mentioning I think anyway. Um, so, yeah, we'll pretty much get into it fairly quickly, I think. Um, basically, because we both have uh, new video game consoles that we want to get back to as quickly as humanly possible. Uh, pretty much the truth of it, yeah. Um, well, it's, actually basically, a yeah. it's a complete lie in my case, anyway, because I actually uh, have a stream to do tonight with Tim called Streams After Midnight, which by the time you're hearing this, it's old news and it'll have happened already. But, but you'll have time between this and that. No, if, I won't. If... I'm napping between this and that. All right, well, that's on you. That's that's valuable video game time if you'd had chosen to use it for that. <laughs> chosen to use it for that. Look, this is just the way things have worked out. Sometimes things pan out this way, and I will be napping between this If, if it makes you feel any that. better, I can't actually play the game that I kind of want to play till, uh, anymore tonight either, so, you know. Why? Oh, because the, the game I want to carry on playing is Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but... I'm only playing that while Paige is there and watching um, because she wants to watch all the story and stuff. And uh, yeah, she'll be off watching I'm a Celeb by the time we're done with this. So that means no more of that till tomorrow for me. That story was full of so many just terrible life choices. Too many to list. Um, but let's get to the DC news of the week, shall we? Uh, I'll start with the comic book stuff. We'll save the movie thing to last. Uh, so first things first, um, we've heard of a new miniseries we're going to get based on the new Future State Wonder Woman, Yara Floor, who is going to be referred to as Wonder Girl uh, in this miniseries, which will be after Future State. So this is presumably set in the whatever the main present day DCU is going to be at that time. Probably, although I, I think there's an outside chance that they continue doing minis set in the future state world in the future. Uh, this Newsarama article seems to agree with me, although it doesn't see any reason uh, why. It just... Like I said, I've, I've, not assumes... read this, I've not seen this news story, and I think it's a fair assumption. That's why I said there's an outside possibility, not that I think it's going to be that necessarily. Uh, I imagine if, if they think this character is a hit, already, if they're, or if they're, they're feeling confident about this character being continued and being an inclusion going forward, that them establishing whatever the, you know, the mainline, like, origin story is for, like, pretty quickly after the sounds of it. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be solicited in March, it just, because this is not, like, an official solicit yet, this is just, they're talking about it, they're talking about this happening sometime uh, after yeah. Future State. I'm sure we'll hear about it in the next few months, though. Uh, so that's the first thing. So that's pretty neat. It's nice that they're showing themselves confident here. Um, so, and it's actually, if you remember right, this is Joel Jones, who's both writing and doing the art on the two-issue book 
that's coming out of uh, future states. So uh, whether or not she's involved with this mini or if it's going to be someone else, we'll see. But uh, just worth keeping in mind. It's possible. So she did Catwoman for quite a while um, and then has these issues. I don't know if she has anything else lined up after that. So it's not impossible. We don't really know if anyone's got anything lined up. Outside of some of the books that we know are continuing, because obviously, you know, Tyne is still doing Batman. We have no idea what a lot of this stuff is falling come, no, come March. No, that's true. There could be quite the shake-up. The, the solicits next month could be potentially very interesting. Mm. Unless they pull out Marvel and they get a bunch of redacted covers with code names and shit. I doubt it, but... I mean, DC don't tend to do that. Um, and well, I mean, I, I, was, I was more cracking a joke rather than offering you a point to seriously discuss... I've just, but, you know, it's because it's, it's possible. It's, so it, it's it's not like it's an impossibility for it to happen. Perhaps more intriguing and somewhat expected, to be honest, given how it ended. But Johns and uh, Fabric have basically confirmed that they're planning a sequel to Three Jokers. This is something that they've got in the works. They've got a story that they want to do that springs off uh, one of the many epilogues within the book that we got. Uh, this was them talking to CBR, and it's something they've got at some point now. Honestly, I'm not shocked that with all the epilogues that book had, it kind of felt like you know something had to be like they had to have some sort of plan for at least something coming out of this. Yeah. I would suspect that you know John's given that he's doing stuff at Image now, given that he's obviously a very busy guy making a TV show, that getting the three issue mini like this every couple of years is probably the best we're going to get for a while in terms of his busy schedule. So probably, um, if I had to guess based on nothing but gut feeling. Mm-hmm. It'll be following on the uh, the Jason and Bab stuff. For better and worse. <laughs> yes, I'm not particularly interested in that, to be honest with you, but uh, that's what I suspect it will be. I mean, I'm going to read it no matter what, let's be honest, because it's John's and Fabric and... like After, after how disappointing I found Three Jokers, um, I, I, I'm not making that commitment. They could still pull out a winner. Just because that one wasn't a complete... And I liked it more than you did, even though I did have some problems with it. Um, mm. But... Still, there's, there's hope, there's chances. So, that is a sequel to Three Jokers. Uh, who knows what they'll call it? Three Bats? Three Birds? Three Robins? Three Batgirls? They could go any number of ways, even though there's like four or some of those things. But that's... that's, I, 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 that's you've hit on the logical answer there, is to say four something instead of three. Okay, sure. Sure, sure, sure. They might do that. Uh, I mean, we could probably do a whole uh, Batman, uh, you know, 12 Days of Christmas Carol by the end of uh, <laughs> by the end of all these books that they put out, maybe, you know? I mean, it'll take you about 20 years to get there, but it's possible. Um, So that is that. And then, on a relatively minor note, I just thought I'd point out that in Burbank, they've put up a statue of Batman. Any particular reason, or just they felt like it? Well, I'll, I'll read the I'll read what the article says here. Uh, California city of Burbank has partnered with one of its most famous businesses, DC, for a seven and a half foot tall bronze Batman statue that is now on display in the downtown area. The six hundred pound statue was digitally sculpted by Alejandro Piari Escura, based on the DC Chief Creative Officer Jim Lee's seminal Hush Ark. Um, I'm just looking down to see if there's any particular reason. Uh, because they felt like it. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, 
morale. It's been a shit year. Maybe some Batman in the middle of the street would do people some good. <laughs> Batman trying to scare away the germs. Uh, <laughs> um, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But I just I thought it was amusing. Uh, hmm? it, it looks like an expensive statue. <laughs> so, I mean, fair enough. Um, so, there you go. That's about my statue. And the movie thing, of course, that happened this week is that Warner Brothers have caved and decided to do something which they've clearly been weighing up and stressing over and deciding what they should do. Should we do that? Should we do that? What yeah, are the benefits? We even, we even spoke about the... Because there were the rumours of this last week and I think I brought it up last week in the news as a, as a possibility. Um, didn't take them too long to announce it, did it? I don't think... I said this when I found out. I don't think this is going to be something that we're going to see as a trend for Warner Brothers movies. Just like I don't think it's going to be something we see a lot of the big studios doing much of. There's a little bit of it happening, especially at the time this is this, because we're talking about Christmas Day here, which is the day that Wonder Woman 1984 is going to be released in whatever theatres happen to be open. But for most people, it's going to be on HBO Max. <laughs> so Yeah. Uh, just worth noting on the cinema release, it's... Uh, Christmas Day in the US, but internationally uh, it'll be on the 16th of December. Uh, yeah, okay. I guess because a lot of uh, a lot of countries, the cinemas just aren't open on Christmas Day. Um, yeah, but I mean, the, the, I think the more important thing here is that, that I, I see this as being kind of a is it's a combination. I, I think on the one hand. They've had nothing out for so long. They've been holding so many movies back now. Because you know, we're at this point now where the studios have been holding back movies since April, right? Everything scheduled from April onwards has been held back, with one or two, you know, exceptions. Warner Brothers have held back things, Tenet being the, you know, the big exception for them, that they put that out anyway. And I don't think this is them going to be putting out everything they had planned on HBO Max, but... It's just the same way that I don't think Disney would do it with everything, even though they do it with Milan, even though they do it with one more Pixar movie, whatever. But I also think this is a, a, a PR stunt. I think this is, let's give everyone something really nice at Christmas. It's going to give oh, us a, a nice big tick in the wind column, and it's going to be a nice big you know treat for everyone. But I don't, I don't think they're going to start pumping out all of the movies. I still think they're going to hold off as much as they can. If anything... It could happen again. If we go another six months and there's still no sign of like theaters mass opening again. <laughs> oh, sure. I yeah. think there may be another one then. Like, okay, okay, it's been another six months. We'll put out one more because the we have to drip feed this a little bit as we go. Yeah. What I think is really interesting and worth noting about this is they're not... So so what Disney are doing with uh, the, the Pixar movie, Soul, is um, a little bit different to Mulan where Mulan, you had to pay the premium price to get it early. It was $30, whereas, yeah. Yeah, where a soul is just no, it's just part of the thing, and that is what uh, what Warner are doing here with with Wonder Woman on HBO Max, where it's just part of HBO Max, but it's only going to be on there for like a month or six weeks or something, uh, and then it's being removed again. So it's very clearly you no, know, we want to push everyone to come and sign up for HBO Max for this one month, and then maybe we'll get some of them to stick around. But if we give it a you know, if we give it a hard deadline, as no, you you've only got this time to watch it people will come and flock in as opposed to, oh, it'll be there, I'll, I'll get to it when I get to it. I, I think that's a lot of their their thought process here as well. Yeah, I mean... 
honestly, the idea of anything rotating out of any of these services, uh, whether it's Warner Brothers, Disney, whoever, is still baffling to me in every sense of the word, and defeats the purpose of having a dedicated streaming service of any of these things that hold their own, pla- you know, they have their own library. Why, why are things rotating in and out? It's stupid. Stop it. But Yeah. And this is a particularly interesting one, because like I say, it's on, on there for like a month or six weeks, whatever it is, and then it's gone, and it, and then it, and then you won't be able to buy it anywhere, and then it'll come back six weeks later or whatever it is after that, that you can you know, do you know, buy it for purchase, but it won't be coming back to HBO Max straight away. That's it's really interesting. <sighs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, honestly, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I really don't care. I'm, 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 I'm long done caring about the stupid decisions of Warner's and Disney and any other place doing their own streaming service. I'm, I'm sick of talking about all their various practices on it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sick of it. How about they all up the bit rates a little bit so it's actually on par with physical media? Then we can talk. Then, then you're satisfying my demand, you bunch of pricks, okay? Right? <laughs> I, don't want to, I, don't, I don't want to see 4K streams where a 1080p Blu-ray still wins because the bit rate's there to support the well, actual image. I'm, I'm entirely on your side. I'm very sympathetic. I'm with you on this. Mm-hmm. The reality is... I don't care what the reality is. I don't care. Don't tell me what the reality is. I don't give a shit. Most people don't give a shit. And they're not. I don't care. And, and it would cost more for them to stream it higher, and and they're like, well, you know, I don't it's not worth care. I do not care. It's inferior. They're peddling something that is inferior. I do not care. I'll I'll pay you a premium. Don't buy the 4K Blu-ray. No, I'll pay a premium. Charge me five dollars extra for 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 the high bit rate, for, you know, version. I'll do it. I'll absolutely do it. It's worth it. I I know it is, and I will probably pay it as well. But I don't think it's worth it on their end. If if I was in their their situation, uh, you know, purely like a, a financial perspective, I get it. Probably probably doesn't you know make up your your costs. I don't care. It's their own goddamn product, and it looks shoddy. It just looks shoddy, and I do not like every time it goes to a dark scene in any of these goddamn streaming services. All I see is just a blob of pixels at parts of the screen. Yeah. Doesn't matter if it's 4K, Dolby Vision, doesn't matter if it's whatever well, it is. At, at least with Wonder Woman, you don't have to worry about butchered 4K, because it's just going to be 1080 to begin with anyway. Yeah, that's just worse, though. That doesn't make it better, because they have a vastly lower it's bit rate for 1080. It's, it's, it's less disappointing to start with, I guess, because you're not oh oh, 4K image, and then be like, oh, it's... it's what it's is this stupid logic you've got? It's less disappointing. No, it's worse. The baseline is worse. Therefore, it's a worse experience overall. Yes. Yes, that does not mean it is less... Dis- it can still be less disappointing. I don't care what's more... I don't care what's more disappointing. I care what the baseline of quality is. Yeah, well, it's probably not going to change anytime soon, so get used to it. Oh my god! Um, yeah, streaming batteries suck, right? All of them do, every single one of them. Um, anyway, I guess we should talk about comics. I've anything else. We we probably should, yeah. I've anything else, and I'm tired, and I'm in a grumpy mood, and I'm not in the mood for Connor shit today, which is why I'm just not entertaining it. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be fun. Uh, to the point where I may just mute him if he gets extra annoying today. Um, That's fine. Uh, I, I can go play on the PS5. I'll wage, if you, if you want to do this I'll wage my power. How's your Xbox doing, by the way? 
Shut is it up. good? Is it working? Eh? Shut up. Yeah. PS5 loads in about three seconds. Your Xbox isn't loading for weeks. Maybe months. And yes, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm still yeah, in... Amazon- I'm stealing Kaz's joke. finally admitted it, 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 was, it was lost. Yes. I'm stealing Kaz's joke. If anyone follows uh, Fake Kaz CEO on Twitter, uh, he had basically that same joke. But I'm using it in the context of Connor's Xbox not arriving because I think it's funnier. <laughs> Justice League 57, Joshua Williamson, Zermanico. Uh, this is wrapping up the tie in arc, uh, the death metal arc for death metal. Um, sorry, the doom metal arc for death metal. That's what I was meant to I was say. say that didn't sound right. <laughs> Yes, I told you I was tired, okay? Roll with the punches. Um, so, yeah, we're doing this first before Death Metal itself, because it actually, and I didn't read it first. Uh, I got to the end of Justice League, and it was like, oh, I guess this kind of led in, in a way. I, I read to the point in, in Death Metal. I, I started reading Death Metal first. I got maybe four or five pages in, whatever it was, and there's a point where uh, you know, Lex shows up, in 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 the in the in the ship, and I was like, "Huh, guess this is after Justice League," and then stopped and went and read Justice League before I finished. It never uh, even it never even occurred to me, to be honest. I I just I read Justice League, or I read the De- De- Death Metal, and then it wasn't until the very end of the Justice League where he walked out holding a globe, and I went, "Wait a minute, that globe got smashed." <laughs> oh no! That I just, as soon as as soon as Lex showed, I was like, "Hang on a second. Last time we left him." He was fighting with the the, the Legion of Doom and, and the others. Is like this must take place after Justice League, and, and immediately switched over. I mean, I didn't care enough to be honest. I, I, if, I, that. if I had realized, I, I wouldn't have cared enough. Just because uh, uh, this arc's decent. That's a decent tie-in arc. It's fine. There's some nice beats in this issue as well, specifically. But you know, it's not like the I mean, Death Metal Five was the main event of the metal stuff this week. There was no no doubt. That was oh, the case. absolutely. Um, this so, is one of the better issues of this arc, still, I would say. It is. And it is calling back. Uh, I did not see this coming, but it calls back to the issue of Justice League. It was either 51 or 52. It was right at the start of Rebirth, but they had two issues left of the previous Justice League volume that were coming out after Rebirth, Rebirth started. And one of them was the story of the first time Dick Grayson met the Justice League. And it was when he snuck into the Batmobile, and Dick brings this story up and talks about it. And what's interesting is that by the end of the issue, it kind of fulfills the prophecy, if you want to call it that, that Batman actually said to him in that issue. Because at the end of that issue, if no one recalls, uh, Batman said to him that, because Dick assumes, oh, one day you you, you think I'm going to join the Justice League, and Batman responds, you're going to lead it. And this issue ends with Dick saying, no, we are the Justice League, and he is clearly leading them. He's been leading them the whole issue. You know, he's become the leader of this team. I, I did. Like, so I'll be honest. I didn't remember which issue this was from or when it was from, but I was like, no, I remember reading this. I remember the, mm. the issue in general, um, which is credit to it that that was enough to, to stick in my memory. And I kind of appreciate that I didn't feel the need to slap an editor's note on because even if you've read that or not, just having this here is is enough. No, for sure. And I honestly, I think it's a really we've talked about a lot recently about the uh, the speed metal issue from a couple of months ago well, last month, whatever it was, and how that was kind of paying off some Rebirth stuff, some Wally Manhattan stuff that was still kind of lingering. And this referencing something that was happening around that time as well, it kind of does feel like, you know, whatever we're going into in March, because that's when the new stuff really starts. You know, we've got stuff before then. Maybe we're in a sort of interim reality or whatever before then. Uh, future states, maybe doing alternate futures, whatever it is. 
but wherever we go into in March, it does kind of feel like they're kind of trying to pay off some things that have been set. And not, not that this needs paying off. This would have been fine if it hadn't been paid off, but it does no, feel it sweet. Just a nice thing. Yeah. It's it makes it feel like between this and uh, you just metal and endless winter, it feels like no, this is the ending of the rebirth era of comics because yeah. we're paying off things from the start. And endless winter, I don't mean that it's necessarily paying things off, but it's the you know this this okay. Other books are on a break. We're kind of just going to fill some time, do a bit of a capper, do a big, big story to kind of round, round it out uh, while this is ongoing. Yeah. Uh, it, it does feel like, okay, whatever comes next is going to be a new period. So, yeah. So, so you know, Legion of Doom got released to end the last issue. Uh, they're fighting Dick. Martian Manhunter puts a stop to that quite quickly <laughs> by just, you know, Superman punching the ground. And there's some debating going on between the Legion and and Lex about whether or not they should trust him because he betrayed them, and he you know he's trying his best to kind of convince them, and ultimately Dick and Co have to save Lex from them, and it's not until they realise the Omega Knight is still alive because Chimp does show up. Chimp is not dead, and uh, probably one of the best pages of the whole book actually is that full page spread of him saying the Omega Knight is not dead and the Omega Knight's just standing towering over them. Uh, and the, the purple kind of, like, missing piece of its body, like, one arm's gone entirely. Yeah, it's got a hole in the back of its head. Very pretty, and yeah, so it becomes this. Okay, we have to team up. We have to work together because if you know, if, if we just run, then Perpetua is going to know that you get freed, and they'll she'll come after you. So help us. You've got no choice but to help us. So we have this, you know, Legion of Doom sort of uh, new Justice League team up, and. Yeah, the, the plan ultimately is that uh, they're going to channel the idea that the Legion of Doom are powering this chair so they can sort of all power a big blast from the ultraviolet light ring that Sinestro's got. And it'll actually, Lex points out, just to, just to tidy this up so we don't have to worry about it in the future, this'll burn out the ultraviolet spectrum. It's like, yeah, we're, we're just <laughs> popping you back to normal, eh, Sinestro? Yeah, bad time. He's like, yeah, I can't prefer the colour of fear anyway. He's like, all right. <laughs> Which I'm not complaining. I kind of, I mean, it served a fine story purpose, but I didn't really want the ultraviolet thing to stick around. I was, I'm happy yeah, for it to yeah, be yeah. gone. This is a, a neat way of getting it gone in story, and it, it's uh, more points of this, uh, yeah, referring back as well when uh, uh, Lex and and Martian Manhunter are talking, and uh, you know, referring back to No Justice, which, which obviously was a few years ago now. Yeah, that's kind of like the midpoint of Rebirth as well. Yeah, because that's right before Snyder's run. Yeah, I, that's it. I'd say that's a. I mean, I don't know if it's literally if you measure it at the months, but it feels like the midpoint of rebirth. I think that was about 2016, right? So. 2018. 2018, that's what I meant. 2016 was rebirth. That's what I meant. Uh huh. God damn it. I'm tired as well, clearly. Yes. Um, um, so, yeah, so it works. They did blast the Omega Knight and everything's hunky dory. Um, and basically, Martian Manhunter offers to Lex, like, hey, I once asked you for help, you know, again, this is the no justice reference, and you turned me down. But knowing what you know now, you know, you could you could do some help. You could help the Justice League. But Lex has not made that choice. Lex goes with the Legion of Doom on his ship. Uh, he's got a boom tube. And there's a, I love that. He's like, God damn it, he had a boom tube the whole time. Yeah, there's a little joke there. Like, he could have just used that before. What the hell? Uh, but, you know, Dick says, no, we are the Justice League, and he walks off. There's, you know, heroic pose with the rest of the team. Um, and then there's some teasing at the end of... Uh, you know the, the main Justice League fighting the well what we what we know from Death Metal when we get to that is the the, the castle bat transformed into an actual giant Batman. Oh, we'll get to how cool that shit is. 
so yeah, I mean, the last couple of pages are just a sort of tease for the issue uh, Death Metal comes out. It does feel a bit weird. This is the only time I can think of in this entire event where the not, like, the tie-in issue, not the main issue of Death Metal, was not the thing you should read first that week. So, it's not really a problem, it's just that it's, it's, it's been so consistently not that, that it, it kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, and, and that's like there was no editor's note in either one saying mm. you should read this one first, which is what usually does happen. When and these, I don't which think... Which makes me think, was this always planned for this week? Yeah, this was never... I don't think this was ever delayed. I think this was always... Because that's what I was saying, because that's the only reason I could think of why there wouldn't be an editor's yeah, note. because this is... Like there usually is. This is a every other week book, because it's double shipping, and it's been out consistently every other week for ages, so... yeah. So unless metal was pulled forward at some point internally, but that doesn't sound right either. Yeah, no, nah, it's what it is. It's not a big deal, especially since I don't think my metal, I don't think is hampered in any way by not reading this first. And reading this doesn't necessarily feel like it hampers much outside of the fact that Lex is away. There's, there's <laughs> an argument that the last couple of pages kind of ruined some of the stuff in the main issue as well. Yeah. Uh, plus, I'm pretty sure in Metal you don't see the fact that he's got the Legion of Doom on the ship with him. So, if anything, it kind of actively tries to hide what happens in Justice League, assuming that you probably read that first, because most people read Metal first. Yeah, that's true, yeah. So, I wonder if that was just a con. It's like, oh no, we'll, we'll spoiler-proofed it, so that you can just read Death Metal first, and then when you read Justice League, you'll be like, oh yeah, okay, that's just how we got there. Yeah, okay. yeah they really thought this through, maybe. Very nice. Um... But hey, as as well as obviously, Zermanico's art is uh is very good. Nice to see him return. Yeah, uh, it's been Robson Roker for most of the rest of the arc. I think I think Zermanico started it. I think Zermanico did the first two, I want to say, and then we had Robson Roker for the last two, and then yeah, he's back for this and, one. And Roker's fine. Don't get me wrong; I don't have any real problems. But Zermanico is just better. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I think Roker did a decent job, though, being like try, you know trying to match the style, keeping it. F- as consistent as possible. Uh, the colouring, of course, helped. All uh, yeah, that. I was going to say the colours need a big shout out for kind of keeping that consistency. There's a, like the points where they're using like the ultraviolet and blasting, you know, the Omega Knight stuff like that. It really feels like no, this is one cohesive book thanks to those colours. Yeah, um, you know, as, as far as like, rotating artists for for an art goes, I think this is one of the more successful attempts uh, to keep it feeling consistent. I mean, I, I've kind of just come to accept that outside of the big prestige books, your twelve issue black label stuff and things like that, that we just have to accept that ongoing books have rotating artists and it's just the way things are. But uh, when they can pull off some consistency with, you know, just, you know, pairing yeah, people I'm, together I, smartly, I, I, I like it. You know? I'm probably never going to accept that because it's only it's only really a symptom of double shipping that has exclusively caused that, I think. I don't know. I feel like even single shipping books change artists like... Every arc, anyway. I mean, sure, every arc. I can, but I can live with every arc. I can live with changing arc by arc. It's when it no. changes in the middle of an arc that really bothers mm. me. Not when it shifts to John Romita Jr. I can't. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> okay, there, there are exceptions. But I mean, I mean, there, there are examples of books we're going to talk about this week with more than one artist uh, that is jarring and ugly. Uh, you know, mm. and that's way worse than having different artists per issue. Oh, for sure. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what, I mean, I think this arc, it was not as good as some of the one-shots have been. I, I think Death Metal has, has actually had a, an embarrassment of riches for how valuable and worthwhile the vast majority of its one-shots have been. 
Uh, I think this arc in Justice League has been a fine, regular tie-in quality. And if you happen to really like Dick Grayson or any of these other characters, you might appreciate having them a bit of spotlight. Other than that, you know, it's not really that needed. I'd yeah, say. it's perfectly fine. Um, I think, to be fair here, with the tie-ins, it's not like there's not been a lot. There's been a reasonable amount. Oh, there, there, has there, been just has, there hasn't been an overwhelming barrage of, of tie-ins either, though. Yeah, that's what uh, I'm saying. That's why I'm surprised. There's only one or two of the one-shots that I would say are a bit less on the... You know, you can yeah, just probably just skip these. But the, 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 I think, like, those three in that month where they took off were all very worthwhile and in some they, cases they, necessary. They range from downright essential yeah. Uh, to, yeah, these are still worth reading. And there's a couple of the anthology-style ones that I think actually added a lot of nice little character context for a lot of these smaller characters that I think were worth reading. And have become more, Im- not important necessarily, but become more valuable over time, yeah. like Castle Bat. Yeah, yeah, that's a good example. Uh, or, or even like the Bat Baby, because he ended up showing up in one of the other books last month, So or this month even. But, you know, I, so I think it's actually a really high standard. So this maybe kind of oddly looks worse than it normally would in terms of tie-ins because the standard's been so high this time. Yeah, and, and like, I mean, I don't know if we've read this yet, but I mean, I think I'm giving it a seven if, if we didn't, you know, it's, it's about yeah. that. Like, it's a perfectly solid issue to, for a perfectly solid art. It's, it's, it's good. It's perfectly good. Yeah, it, I, uh, you know, I, I would be a little over long. I would go with a solid seven. Yeah, it could have been cut down to like three issues, I think. I I feel like the middle three issues were kind of stretched out. I I could have... The first issue and the last issue, perfectly fine. Those middle three could have been condensed into one. If, if you just gave this a, a three issues of Manica arc... Like if, if I'm writing the arc mm. as a whole, like as a tie-in, it's probably like a 6.5. Uh, if you give me a three issues of Manica arc, we're, we're maybe looking at an eight at that point, frankly, as a little tie-in arc. Just this short concentrated blast of fun yeah uh, as, as it was it kind of overstayed its welcome a little bit but it's it was never bad so yeah dark knight's death metal issue five naturally uh this is scott snyder writing greg capullo on art as we expect and some big implications in this issue this is kind of the one that starts to tease what sort of potential world and continuity we might be in uh mm. come the end of this this, this issue got the, the first half was fun metal action and then the second half was oh oh this is doing interesting things now yeah you know the starts i don't want to downplay it it's not good because it is good uh, but it, it's you know it's whatever it's just it's, yeah it's the traditional metal stuff uh the the the, the darkest night is going to fight Perpetua. He leaves Castle Bat to, to fight what's left of the Justice League. So there's a lot of fighting with them. Um because it's Castle made, Bat is cool as shit. Because it's made out of like everything Batman's ever like assembled. You know, there's those red sun ev- fragments. Everything ever in Gotham. Yeah, there's red sun fragments, so Superman's like weak against it. Uh there's, you know, other materials that are good against Wonder Woman, you know, stuff from, you know, various godlike entities and whatever. Um yeah, anyway, it's all fun stuff, and it's actually Lex showing up and using uh, Brainiac tech to shrink it uh, into like a you know a little bottle you know, globe, uh, a little snow globe, uh, which Harley smashes. Uh, it's worth mentioning. <laughs> she just throws it in the ground, and smashes it. Uh, but that's that's how that solves. Where it gets interesting though is after this, where they're they're talking to Lex about how to possibly solve this, and Lex is like, okay. I've got kind of a plan, and I realize that no one really wants to listen to me. And Superman's like, you know what, given the look of your face, 
I'll let you speak. <laughs> I'll let you at least get your 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 speech you know out. It, it isn't just news. I actually read this wrong originally. He goes, because uh, he, he actually says, yeah, but seeing what's happened to you, say your piece. Because I just knew he was he was clearly looking at him, going, dude, that don't look good. I, I actually at first misread it as, but seeing as what's happened to your face, <laughs> and, and, and I was like, no, no, he doesn't say that. Read it properly. Yeah, I haven't read that. I was just paraphrasing because that's essentially what he means. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's actually I had to stop and reread it because I knew what he meant before I'd even finished the sentence. But Lex is talking about having to think smaller, not bigger, right? You know, that's like fighting crisis with crisis energy or anti-crisis with crisis or whatever. Is he talks about this incident of him growing up and how he used to always sneak off to the planetarium and he watched this this uh, science documentary about the Big Bang and the creation of the universe. But one day he got really shit scared because they had something wrong with the projector and it played backwards. So everything was uncreated and it went back to the beginning. And uh, he talks about how his father reacted when he was scared about this and, and whatnot. But he essentially says that the attempt to, to fight the crises with the anti-crisis energy or crisis energy, you know, whatever the, the, the science that they're peddling is, it should have worked, and the reason why it didn't is because Wonder Woman hesitated, is because she didn't really believe that it could work, and that's why it failed. And ultimately, continuity, and this is where it's getting very meta, because and the, the the page that kind of you know shows this better than anything, it's a really simple way of showing it, is it's the la the lasso is knotted, and it's like every time there's a crisis, there's a knot, and it gets confusing, it gets complicated and weird. And all we're going to do is we're going to take everything back to the start and we're going to restart the entire universe and everything that's ever mattered, everything that's ever happened, for better or worse, will have happened. And we have to accept the simple truth that not everything that we want to have not happened has happened. And there's something beautiful about the context of this issue. And I think this issue justifies why Wonder Woman has been framed as the center of the whole thing is because it ultimately becomes about truth, and she turns to Superman and Batman and says, you know, Bruce Clark, tell me the truth. And Batman admits that he's been dead this entire arc. He's been That's why the Black Lantern rings are working with him. It's because he's been dead the whole time. Uh, and Superman is like, yeah, I've changed. There's no turning back. Like, you know, like, but we'll fight with you one last time. There's something about the one who wields the lasso, the golden lasso, <laughs> that makes people tell the truth, that she was kind of almost being ignorant and not really ready to believe what the world was around her and that they had to essentially, for lack of a better term, turn it off and turn it back on again. And <laughs> I love it. it's, it's all about the, the truth of continuity. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, so they talk about how, yeah, some good things will have happened because they, they were erased, but some bad things that were erased will have happened. And I don't know how they're going to tackle this. Like, is this going to, like, is this literally describing that when we come back in March? Everything from continuity in some form will have happened. That, you know, it's possible that this is why we have future state. Mm. Is th th this is the result of all the all the shit that this untangles? Is that's where the world is now? Is future state? And then once it settles and becomes present continuity, um, it's because the universe has to sort of rate itself and it's something that it's not just fractured like future state. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't know. Because um, I, I do wonder, like, will there be one of the stories in Future State that actually has a bit of like what leads to it reforming? If, if, there, that, if that indeed needs to happen, maybe it's just a what-if sort of thing, but if yeah, that is the case, then... It's really interesting, because I think we spoke about this when the first solicits came out, is that it doesn't seem to have a headline book 
No, not a central one, no. There's nothing that I can obviously point out and go, that's the one where things will happen. You know, it, I, it might happen in one of them. But I don't think, yeah, I don't think it would shock me if there ends up being one that's a bit of a dark horse where it's like, oh, all of a sudden this one book seems like the most important one of the whole line. Yeah. Uh, it's entirely possible. So then they start forming the plan. Um, and we're gonna, they're going to use, obviously, the, uh, the, the the metal that Lobo got in the, the one shot last time. And Wonder Woman's like, hey, I need an army. Lobos, uh, the, the rumors about your regeneration true. And I'm like, oh god, they're going to have tons of Lobos that have all been grown out of various limbs and digits and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but you can't do Superman and he's with like all the villains. Now, I think the Joker's a bit of a stretch here because the Joker, even in this situation, I don't know if you'd want to be working with the Joker in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, it's Crocs there, Granny Goodness, Mr. Freeze... At least I think that's maybe Mr. Freeze. Is I'm that? pretty sure it is, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, you get Cyborg Superman's there on the bar back and all the rest of it. Penguin. Yeah. Uh, he's like, hey, right, so you're going to work with us. We're going to, uh, you know, do something. And he's like, what? You sure? We're not really known for saving the Earth. And he's like, well, exactly. I want to destroy it. So basically, because Earth is the center of... And they don't use this word, but this is essentially what they're talking about. Because Earth is the center of the metaverse everything's kind of channeling through it. So if it's destroyed, then the Batman Who Laughs slash The Darkest Night can't actually grow his new worlds that he's building to replace everything. And they'll they'll remain in their infancy and therefore they stand a chance at fighting them. So we get this glorious two-page layout of Superman with Bizarro, Superboy Prime, and Cyborg Superman. You got Sinestro with some other villainous lanterns, Black Adam... Uh, and then on Earth you got a uh, Swamp Thing and Abbey Arcade, and they're all basically going to just un- like start attacking the Earth with all their power to to destroy it. Yeah, you have a uh, Wonder Woman with Lex, and you know he gives her the uh, the book that we've seen him holding the whole time. You know, mm-hmm. since that tease in uh, was that the first the first issue, and uh, you know I said, oh, it kind of looks like he's you know holding out the book of destiny, like that sort of thing. And it, it's not; it's just Carter Hall's journal with just this thorough account of history. Uh, kind of wonderful. Yeah, um, and it's interesting because obviously Batman Who Laughs is fighting Perpetua during this point, and during the fight he just turns and goes, wait, those fools, they're going to, because he realizes what they're doing, so he's like, no, he's, he, so he, set, he literally sends his planets, the planets that he's building, and then we cut to, you know, a mix of heroes and villains, you got Superman next to Black Manta and Penguin of all people, you you know, uh, Batman's there, you, you got a bunch of D and C listers behind them, you got all sorts of characters the, oh, the, the ones with Batman are all the dead characters that he's resuscitated with black, the Black Lantern that's, stuff. A, that's a good point yes they are all dead characters um, but yeah, you got a whole mix of characters there you see Clayface at the back of the Dukes up front you, a bunch of people and the end of the issue is just like them saying oh shit there's like tons of planets coming they're, they're, they've got armies and we see like an evil Wonder Woman we see you know an evil Martian Manhunter that are different to the ones we've been seeing uh, typically thus far Um yeah. And the final page is where this kind of officially becomes a crisis or the anti-crisis because the final page is just all these planets that all look very Earth-like uh, yep. just swarming the page. And it's like, you know, this is it. And, you know, Wonder Woman's whole thing is at the start of the issue, Robin King was telling her that Wonder Woman on his Earth, to, you know, to, made this big speech about fate like there's always going to be a tomorrow uh, before he, you know, s- you know s- sneakily killed her. And Wonder Woman kind of takes that and says, no, 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 fight like there is no tomorrow, because there kind of isn't. And that's how we're going to win. Um, so, 
It's a big bold ending. I did smile at the last page because it just it's 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 DC. It's a crisis. It's it's, it's one of those issues where it even though it, it's not technically any better than the previous issues, and I say that as someone who's been very much on board with all the issues. Uh, but it got to this point in this last few pages, and it just felt exciting. Like, oh, well, this is a proper event now. Like, this is a proper DC crisis. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're in proper crisis territory. And uh, they've been talking about crisis and anti-crisis since issue one, and that's been cool, the idea that we're going to attack the idea of a crisis head-on with an anti-crisis. That's always been cool, but getting to this last page is like, oh, okay, this feels like a crisis. That <laughs> feels like we're actually yeah. in crisis territory. And uh, it's it's been a while since we've had a good crisis, so... It's still, even though we've been playing with it for a while, and you know, this this event and stuff like you say, you know, since the start has been playing with the idea of of crisis, and and yeah, you know, we had the the one of the one shots that visited a bunch of the other crisis, and and this one here, it's just finally, it's like, oh, no, we're finally doing it. This is now kind of it joins that pantheon. Yeah, and I think just to go back to talk about Wonder Woman, her being the center, and the idea of like. You know, her being the one who has the lasso of truth and the irony of her having to accept the truth. I think on the meta level, like tying that into the the the, the metaverse and the meta continuity talk and all that, is that yeah, this is all about the truth. This is about the truth that yes, pre-crisis happened, post-crisis happened, Flashpoint, New Fifty Two happened, Rebirth happened. They all happened. Um, like that that is the truth. That's what this is all about. It's about establishing the truth. Yeah. Um. And there's, there's something really meta and wonderful about it, and I don't suspect you know DC you'll find a way of re- retconning and retconning and retconning for the re- for the rest of time, and that's why you know Jeff Johns with Doomsday Clock and the Metaverse kind of like just future proofed everything to say it's okay that it all matters. Yeah, <laughs> it wonderful. seems like they maybe want to be swipping, swapping away from Metaverse towards Omniverse, but it feels like functionally the same thing. Yeah, but eventually. They're going to retcon again because they're going to be in the mid to retcon in five or ten years. And at that point, what John set up with the metaverse. Oh, no, what is, is the omniverse? I don't think is any different necessarily from the metaverse. I think they're just calling it something slightly different. Mm. But yeah. I think it is functionally more or less the same thing. But that's issue five of of Death Metal. What are you giving it? I'm giving it an eight point five. A uh, lot of fun. Yeah, I'm going to give it an eight point five. Uh, really solid stuff. I, I think if uh, the, the the first chunk was as as strong as the back half, I'd probably go higher. But uh, that's kind of where I land. So there we goes. Yeah. Um, Batman one hundred three. James Tyne in the fourth. Gillen March with Carlo Pugilain on the art. I suspect you'll will have opinions on that combination of artists. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, I mean, because it's it's uh, it's uh, it's it's Pugilain for most or well, first like half two-thirds of the issue and then there was a point where cause i hadn't realized that gillan march was on this issue i don't think because um when i saw the credits page i saw carlo pagulain and danny mickey who is i think maybe his inca mm-hmm. uh, and then and then didn't and i thought okay two artists that's fine but i i didn't register me to look any further to see gillan march yeah and then I got to the art, I was like, this looks suspiciously bad. This is, looks suspiciously Gillan Marchy bad. And then, and then I, got, I was like, oh, god damn it, that's why. Yeah, so Ghostmaker, we get more of the flashback with Tim and young Bruce and their discussion about, you know, caring being a weakness and Bruce being sentimental about his parents and them both training with all the best masters and combat experts in the world, blah, blah, blah. Kind of the same thing. I... 
yeah, I'm not super into the whole flashback stuff. Yeah, I still kind of hate it. It's kind of, it's, it's this weird, funny thing that the, uh, what I said about the last issue is that I don't like this Ghostmaker backstory stuff, but I like everything that they're doing in Gotham around it. So I'm still kind of excited for the ongoing stuff. It's kind of like a mediocre episode of a TV show that I really love, but there's still a lot of character beats that I really like and what it's setting up for future, you know, stories and things like that. And I maintain that here, like having Oracle still talk to Batman is really cool. Um, one of the key plot elements of this, which is basically one big fight, or well, it's two big fights, I'll say. Uh, you get Batman and Ghostmaker on the roof, and then eventually you've got, uh, you know, Clown Hunter and Harley in her apartment, and then they kind of merge. And as this is going on, so so Bruce and Ghostmaker, Ghostmaker's basically saying, hey, within like five minutes of arriving, I solved these three things. And he talks about these different crimes. as a serial killer who was going under the radar because he didn't have a gimmick, he wasn't wearing a costume, he was just an old-fashioned serial killer. Uh, there's corrupt judges, and there was a shipment of, you know, arms and things like that. And he's talking about all this stuff. And there's a great beat towards the end. And again, this is talking about the world of Gotham and everything it's doing that I love. When Batman basically says, I knew about all these things, right? So that serial killer, like, and we see like a, you know, a big panel of Cass wearing the Bat logo, and she's got the Bat ears, right? We've got full-on Batgirl Cass outfit. Uh, she was telling him, she was watching to try and find out where the rest of his victims were to sort of like get confirmation for the families. Like it, it, it wasn't going unnoticed and like on, like it, it wasn't going to let him kill anyone else. Like that was very clear. Um, and then, you know, with the arms, like, oh, we, we, I swapped them out. Uh, there was no real ammunition. The whole idea was to like, you know, lead to this big like, international culprit who's like funding all these guys. You know, it was about catching the bigger fish. It was, it was all a strategy. And it, I, I, I like that payoff to that earlier debate. I thought that was solid. Yeah, I like the idea that, that Ghostmaker thinks he's like this big hotshot solving all these things, and he's so much better than Bruce, and uh, you know that's why he's coming in and cleaning up Gotham for him. And it's like he has no actual tactical awareness, despite all his training. He just deals with the he he deals with the symptoms, not the cause, right? Yeah. Uh, but it it doesn't help that I already didn't really care for Ghostmaker, uh, you know, in the rest of the issue. So you know, undermining him here. It's not like it, it. It kind of just made him even less interesting than he already was. That oh, he's not even that smart. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's. A, I don't think it's specifically say he's not that smart. I don't think that's. I mean, maybe that's how it comes across, but I don't think that's the intention. I think the intention is more. Oh, because because I I think the whole point is is that he was kind of making Batman look bad, and then the point is no no Batman's actually not being an idiot here. Like he, he knows what he's doing. I, I I will retract the word smart and replace with the word wise fair uh so there's a lot of banter with you know harley and clown hunter and whatnot it's, uh, i mean it's a little word there's an issue but it's a fairly quick read because of the the premise of it which is just these you know two fights that kind of then merge and uh the issue ends with Ghostmaker. he's he's actually knocked out everyone in the room basically with darts uh in the last page it's batman himself who gets darted um and you know i i think from a structural point of view, I think this arc is very well structured. I think this issue being a big fight to pr- to prove the sort of the 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 equalness in combat for the most part, you know, um, them sparring as they're doing so, uh, you know, all these other things. Like I I think from a structural point of view of the arc, this issue makes a lot of sense. The problem is is that I don't think either of us are really liking Ghostmaker or are really buying what he is and just see him as kind of a throwaway villain and maybe by the end of the arc there'll be a point that's made with him that'll say ah oh, maybe it was worth making the point so whatever but at least right now 
we're not really feeling them. So that's the big problem with the issue. But I think from an objective, like take out how we feel about the villain, I think from a structural point of view, the arc is actually telling its story in a very solid way. We just really don't care about the villain. <laughs> I agree with most of that. Uh, I, I do agree. You know, it, Structurally, it's kind of fine. Um, I think the, the other big problem with the storytelling that is not just, oh, you know, I, I dislike Ghostmaker's <clears throat> character is, is the art, frankly, I think. Uh, switch into March. I was talking about structure. What, what part no, of that? No, 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 meant I this, was... this is this is storytelling still, and in comics, the art is is is, is a big part. I'm of not that. disputing that. I was talking about the structure of the writing. Nothing about that it's implies structure... I was forgiving the art in any way, shape, or form. No, fine. I, I will concede the structure. You, you presented that fine. as if it was a contradict contradictory point. I'm like, no, I didn't say anything that you're contradicting. Wait, shut up. I. I, I... I'm, I'm, I was broadening the point. As I said, as a story in the storytelling format. It could just be a new point. Just start a new point. It doesn't have to be... Just go on. Go on. Say your thing. Well, yeah. Gilliman is terrible, basically. Uh, you know, it, it distracts <laughs> me. Um, like I say, you know, there was a point in this issue where... And, and I think this fundamentally mm. harms the story uh, to a point where... Like I, said, I wasn't really feeling Ghostmaker, but I'm like, it's fine. I, I get what it's doing. I'm not really enjoying it, but it's okay. And then it got uh, to, to the it's it's the it's when it switches to Harley basically, and all of a sudden I was like, oh oh, this took a big step down, and all of a sudden it's it's actually distracting me to read it, not just not just oh okay, I'm not really feeling these ideas of what he's doing in the writing. It's like I'm actually struggling with the the enjoyment of reading it now as well, uh, which severely limits the you know the. The impact that the, the art can have, even by the end. But well, maybe I'll like Ghostmaker a bit more, and I'll go. Oh, well, maybe the art was a little bit better than I thought. But right now, it's it's not helping itself um, with with things like this. I mean, I, I don't like it when you have two artists on a on a book at the best of times. Uh, it's it's bad enough when they're such they're, they're very different styles, um, and the book does suddenly switch quite drastically. Because it's really quite clean at the start. Like, uh, if if you look at uh, the the title page, and look at it, you know Batman doing that punch there, he's he's, he's basically clean shaven. You know the the big square jaw. You know it's such all this clean stuff. And then you go to the last page, and look at Bruce as he's being darted, and you know it's it's this really scratchy thing. His chest is everywhere. Like it's it's really it's it's not even like a. It's not even close to melding in styles, um, which which really hurts the the kind of the impact of the issue overall. I think for me. Yeah, I don't really disagree with that idea. That um, I I feel I feel like there's only so many ways we can talk about the mixing of two artists in a single book. No, there is, you know, but I say it can. It, we've talked about it done better than this for sure. This is like a. It felt particularly egregious to me because it was. There there are some times where. I don't even really feel it. I mean, even last issue of Batman had two artists on, um, but the switch wasn't as bad. Um, it was like it was only a few pages at the end. I was like, okay, I can see it, but it's not. It wasn't like as I was reading it, I didn't feel like, oh, this is suddenly so different. Whereas this one, as soon as I turned the page, I was like, this is completely different. Like, yeah, it but... feels like I've just picked up a different book entirely. Yeah, but that that is nothing to do with the change and everything to do with who the changes to. Right, if if the, right, if the, this is because it's Gillen March, Gillen March. It doesn't matter who the first artist was. 
There was no scenario in which switching to Gil and March halfway through the book was not going to be jarring and annoying. No, that's fair, but then I think that's down to editorial to to make sure when they're finishing, because usually when they're doing this, it's because, well, okay, one artist doesn't have enough time to finish the whole book, so we'll kind of we'll pull in someone else to do some pages, and they'll do these pages, and, and we'll get it out on time that way. I think it's editorial's responsibility to choose artists with complementary styles. If, if they're going to do that, if, if they insist on it happening. Um, and this is a particularly egregious case where they didn't. I'll disagree. I'm just, I knew everything you were going to say about this. So I'm just, I'm just yeah. sitting here going through the motions, waiting for you to say the same thing you always say about this topic. <laughs> well, I'll keep saying it when they, uh, you know, until they stop doing it. <laughs> so, Jaren, eh, run the book for me. Can't focus on the art. Also, that that last page is particularly ugly. Like, you know, like, like Gilmarge uh, is uh, is not my favorite of the best of times. But that last page, I don't know what is going on with Batman's chest. chest. Nah, the the body proportion in that last page is by far the worst thing about the art in this issue. Um, it's all over the place. Because I don't, I mean, the rest of the pages with Gilmarge art, they're kind of vary from, like badish to mediocre but conversely is like a lot of what he's done in this book since Tynan's run started like this is by no means even close to the worst of his stuff um but the last page sticks out as being kind of some of his worst um it's still not a Riddler spine thing or whatever that (laughs) was and and I think that's part of why uh, I am harping on the jarringness of this issue in particular because I agree that last couple of pages aside I don't think this is Gillen March's worst work. I don't think this is even his worst work on, on this Batman run. But it's just the 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 change in style is so drastic uh, from the clean lines that we had before that it, that it it sticks out more. Even though it's technically better than some of his previous work, I'd notice it more in this issue than I did in some of those other ones. All right, just rate this and put me in my misery, will you? Uh, it's a five. Um... I'm conflicted. I, I think from a structural point of view, I really appreciate that it, it does to spend the whole issue doing the fight. Because the last issue built up to two things. It built up to the Clown Hunter coming after Harley, and it built up to the, the first proper confrontation between Batman and Ghostmaker. And I appreciate that both things weren't resolved within two or three pages and then quickly moved on to like more stuff. I think actually letting the fight breathe for a whole issue actually brings across the idea that Ghostmaker, even though he's always kind of lost by the sounds of it, whenever they've fought in the past, is at least good enough to go toe-to-toe with Batman for at least a set number of time. Um, so I, I think it's telling a story completely fine. From, from a writing point of view, it's doing everything fine. Um, except for the fact that I just don't like the villain and I don't like the trope of the he's in the backstory stuff. Uh, that's partially personal taste. Uh, I do think it is a kind of a weak. Th- I hate to say lazy because I, you know, writing's hard, but it, it is one of those things where I'm like, really, it's, you know, it's like a love triangle. It, Just it feels like an easy it. fallback trope. Stop it! Yeah, the, the, the number of times Batman's had someone who we've never heard of be a part of his do, past show up again. Is... Do you know why it feels lazy? And and again, we're not saying writing is lazy. I'm sure they you know, he works hard. They, they all do. 
But the reason it feels lazy is because it takes so little effort to slot someone in the backstory and go, oh, they were just there the whole time. As yeah. opposed to constructing it from scratch in a present day and building up that relationship, it feels like it takes a lot more work to do. Yeah, but it's far more satisfying when they do that, so it's a shame they don't yep. do it more often. So, uh, I'll give it 5.5. Kyle and you. All that for a 5.5. Well, I'm a complex beast, what can I say? The Aquaman, 65. Kelly said the iconic rating with Miguel Madoncha on the art. Uh, so this... It ends the run. It ends uh, Kelly Sue's mm-hmm. run. Um, and, you know, they've been teasing a wedding for a while between Mira and Volko. Uh, of course, the ending of this issue, we actually finally have the wedding. I feel like, I feel like Kelly Sue, when she was brought into this book, this was probably what she was brought in to do is to basically get to the point where we finally marry off Mira and Arthur. Yeah, this has been, again, in terms of things They're feeling like off. closing yeah. the rebirth era. Like, this is something that was going on right at the start. Yeah, it was promised in that one shot. And the rebirth one shot, and here we are, four years later, four and a half years later, and it's finally happened. Of finally been married, and you know it's a solid issue. It, it doesn't really do anything super surprising. You know, I like uh, the you know all the the water gods and whatnot being called upon to help, and uh, I, I like even the Justice League show up with you know breathers on to help with the fight. It, it does feel a little bit like ah, eh, they're just here. It it does. But at the same time, like, it's actually a really fair complaint in a lot of solo books where, why, why don't they call in some of the Justice League to help with this situation? It feels like this is a job for the whole team. It, it does, but then we see the Justice League in, like, literally, like, one panel standing behind him, and then I don't think they do anything in the rest of the issue. Uh, they show up to the wedding. Don't, don't, uh, don't play that. Uh, okay, fine. They, they show <laughs> up, but they, other than that, they just float behind Arthur for, like, two or three panels because, in the entire book. Because it's not really that much of a fighting issue. It's more about making the, the grandstand. And even, of course, the, the Dagon, or Dagonians, or whatever you put the Dagon race. Uh, like, them turning on arms a big deal, because Dolphin's kind of, like, showing the guy the other of his ways, and uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're even able to convince the uh, the woman that's trapping Mira to let her go. So it's basically this idea that the Mira's like, hey, we, we've failed your people, just like we failed Atlanteans, we're going to try and work out something. And you know, take us into a better place going forward. Um, even the even the widowhood, uh, you know, city. I guess to see the, the the poverty in Atlantis and goes, oh shit, maybe I've been ignoring some of this a little yeah. bit, a little bit high and mighty in my uh, my tower. Um, and all all this is fine. That was a sharp one. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, you know, we finally have Mira and Arthur playing mum and dad. You know, feeding the baby, all the rest of it, and we have. What I think is a wonderful fake out where there's like a tentacle monster attacking a ship, but it turns out to be that guy that you know we had the whole arc about. I forget his name, but the lighthouse not, keeper, not, not Lovecraft. Yes, who you know was turning into the monster, and he's actually faked this for them, and they've got like people ready at the boat. It's a surprise, well, wedding, which is a weird <laughs> concept when you think about it. People don't. I mean, surprise parties are one thing, but goes, surprise, we're getting married today. Uh, it's something you really don't spring on someone typically often, but. It does make sense given their weird, like, you know, journey to get here. Um, so you got the Justice League, you got all the people, the, the water gods, and um, Mother Sharks narrating the whole thing. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, it ends with them being 
uh, being married, and it's the, the sweet kind of. I, I don't know if it's a farewell to the book as a whole because this wasn't officially done. Because no, obviously... it's still got issues in Endless Winter. Yeah, but uh, are they actually numbered as the main book, or are they like Endless Winter one and two? I think, uh, uh, or something I like that. Think... No, no, that's not number sixty-six. Yeah, it's future state that they're all minis. Yeah, next month's still got numbered issues. Yeah, you're right. Um, I just checked. It has the Endless Winter checklist at the back. <laughs> oh, very good. So I just I wonder if. Uh... Yeah, so I wonder if this numbering continues in March, if Aquaman's still going, is there a bold new direction? And if there is a bold new direction, do we get to keep the marriage? I hope we do. I hope that's not something that's just swept under the rug because continuity's been warped again. Yeah, that would be really frustrating. Especially... Like, oh, we spent four and a half years getting to this point, and then it undone three months later. Especially since the whole thing in Metal is that the idea that everything happened. So the idea that they're promoting that in Metal, but then things like this are immediately undone, at the end of it would feel really disingenuous. Yeah. Yeah, it would. So, I'd hope not, but uh, I mean, I enjoyed the issue. I, I think the, you know, we, we said that the break, which was unfortunate and out of it, no one's, you know, no one's at fault for it, but the break off did kind of hurt the last issue a little bit. This one, I think, worked a little bit better because it wasn't really about the specifics of who was where and who was doing what. It just kind of paid off everything that the run had been doing with the characters. So Yeah. You know. I will say, it, it felt a little bit rushed, this issue. Like, it felt like we went through quite a few beats. Like, we wrapped up the, the stuff you know, it, 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 down below, and then we did the, the tour of the multiple epilogues. I felt like I, thought, I needed another issue at the end of this run here. I think it is. I think it was supposed to be more. I think it was cut down probably because of the reason why they had to delay it in the first place and put in a couple of fill-in issues. Do you think maybe she, uh, you know Kelly Sue actually had an extra two issues planned, and you know, you know, and, and that's why we got the two issue fill-in. Uh, we're still going to end here because yeah. they wanted it for endless winter, so it I had could to see end it. here regardless. I, I could see a lot of the. I, I could have seen an almost a full issue of Arm and Arthur like duking it out and like sort of like trying to debate while fighting before that's, all the big. If, it yeah. kind of just. Felt like by that point, and then, you know, everyone goes, do you know what, we, we kind of think they're right. It all kind of happened very quick, and then we kind of rushed through all the, uh, the, I, again, the stuff. I think just like the gap, I think this is a, a case of, unfortunately, we just, you know, she had to take extra time and knew that, okay, I can't do four issues, I can only do two now. And the story had to be condensed into two issues. And I think yeah. that's just the, and the unfortunate. And I get it, that's the reality of it, and uh, I'm not going to hold it against it too much. But it does. I, I, I did feel it while I was reading it. That's kind of what I'm getting at. I did yeah. feel that. Yeah, you know, we're kind of getting through this kind of quick. Here, I did. I did. Perfectly solid I, I did like though that the ending does incorporate the sea gods. It incorporates the the Kraken dude. It, you know, it incorporates everything that's kind of been in the run, uh, which makes it all feel like part of one whole. Even though, yeah, it is in a lot of ways just capping off what Aquaman has been since the start of Rebirth. And I think I can respect that. I also really like Jackson kind of like jumping in and giving Orm what for. And like he gives a speech about, you know, being good or whatever. And he sort of stops after he's done and looks, oh, sorry, Arthur, I probably stepped on your toes there a little bit. And Aquaman is just like chuffed and just gives him a fist pump. <laughs> I don't know. Like, that, that, I thought that was a neat moment. Because um, yeah. as, as much as the Jackson like fell into Parter wasn't that great. I think Jackson's inclusion in the run in general has been pretty good. And it's mm -hmm. nice for him to have a moment like that. It, it kind of felt like it elevated him a little bit, just having this moment and, where he stands up to Arm and says, what the hell, dude? Shut up. <laughs> and, and that pretty much sums up this issue for me. There are a lot of good moments. Like, there are a lot of really good moments. It just doesn't feel like they're, they're given space to breathe. Um, 
like hell, even like the right at the end where they're finally just being parents. I could have done with a few more pages of this. Oh sure, yeah. Just like just some banter between them of normalcy, um, was nice. And also, how the hell does Mira get changed so quick? It's that Zabellian genealogy. That's all it is. Um, no, that's delightful. Uh, you got bridesmaids, including Wonder Woman. Uh. Oh god, what's her name? Uh, Tula? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And of course Dolphin there. Right, mate. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, all of it works, like I say, it's a bit rushed, but it's kind of the unfortunate circumstance that the that was dealt to, to, to Connick, to, you know, the whole team. But, you know, all of the beats are nice at the end, and I'm I'm kind of happy with the uh, the thing. I, I've enjoyed the comics, right? I do think the obviously the the first couple of arcs were definitely the high points. Obviously, things get in the way a little bit with the last arc because it was only it was essentially only three arcs ultimately. It was, yeah. Um, I think the first arc was still the strongest for me. Um, I think I like the second one a bit more because I, I I like the I, I love the small town vibes when Aquaman sort of spends time in the town in the bay and sort yeah, of. Well, I think they're probably both equally well written. I think this is just different tastes at this point. Uh, very possibly. Um, it's funny because I, I thought it was kind of on on track to maybe being like the best Aquaman run that I've read. I don't think it ever really quite got there though. And, and what I mean by that is I do think, uh, not the whole run, but the best of Abnett's run, I think probably still stands above what so we've the, had. The back half, third, whatever it was from when Sejic came on. Yeah, that, that, that's your 25 on pretty much yeah um i said though, i love that alien style arc at the end of the teens so i mean i'd say about their on it's pretty great but it, clearly yes when he got to issue 25 but it was like the step up in overall quality that that chunk of his run is probably the best of, that i've read but mm. as, a, as a whole run i don't know there's some stuff at the start that drags it down quite a lot right i don't know there is, there is. um but there's definitely more heights in there than than i'd say this got to and definitely more than Jonesy's run, and I didn't enjoy Jonesy's run, but very uh, solid, yeah. And and this was again, barring the unfortunate circumstance of this final arc, it was very consistent. I would say this run was, but it didn't have the heights that yeah. it, that it I, maybe promised in those first few. Don't arcs. get me wrong, I'm looking forward to someday reading through this run again, but skipping all the fill-ins. There was a, that, that one issue fill-in, a way like going in this two-part fill-in that we just had. Like I yeah. think this will read quite well when it's just on its own as three trades or one big hardcover, whatever it is. So, there you go. What are you giving uh, this final deconic issue of Aquaman? Uh, I'm going to give it a 7, because I do like everything in it, but I don't think I am in good conscience to give it anything higher than that. Uh, yeah, I'll agree with the 7. This, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's unfortunate, obviously, the, the, the things that have fell upon it, but I mean, it's just kind of I mean, so, some 2020s hit so other things much harder than this book get hit, so, I mean, I can't really be too mad. In, in the grand scheme of things of yeah. the world, it, it's, yeah, it's pretty not that bad. Well, I was just even thinking other forms of entertainment in terms of stuff being cancelled or delayed yeah, or mean, whatever. Like, when was the last time we had a new movie? Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Catwoman, issue 27. Ram V writing with Fernando Blanco on the art. So, uh, we've been feeling positive about this this is the third issue of the run and 
We'd set up kind of the status quo with the various uh, crime organizations, the corrupt cop, uh, all that stuff. And this issue, you know, continues that thread. It has, you know, what's his name? Hadley? Yes, that's yeah, all right. Hadley, the detective. Uh, and he's looking into, you know, the burglar that clearly was Catwoman because of the claw marks, and he's like, trying to figure out what does she want. But what's, I think, really smart about this issue because the first issue had to pack in so much stuff, so much setup, so much exposition of all the various characters. Is that this issue got to just take what it's set up and give us, like, a simple little, like, sort of thriller heist plan. Heist, yeah. Yeah. Where Catwoman's watching this van. Uh, you know, that's what she stole. She stole intel where this delivery was going. It's this, this van full of drugs and she's watching. But she's got all of her, all of her you know, troubled teens that she's kind of adopted, <laughs> like, helping her. And they've all got parts to play in this plan. You know, one's on the bike directing traffic. One's in, you know, a truck. One's doing this. One's doing that. Um, and the sequence plays out wonderfully. It's, you know, it's beautifully drawn. The, 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 the sequential art and the motion and the... It's got this pulse to it, which feels like this a scene in a thriller where all this the heist stuff is going off. I, the- I love the uh, the coloring as well, the way it shines like the headlights. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Really effective stuff. It's all even just something as simple as the bland is the the the, the ban the bland the van is bright blue, and then later on, like they use a truck to hit it, which is bright red. And I, I love it's almost this kind of. Uh, like, the, the two key vehicles, because there's a lot of other vehicles in the road. There's, like, a white car, there's other things, there's someone on a bike. But the two most important things on the road are very greatly colour-coded for us, so that our eye always is caught to them. We always go to them first. Um, You know, and even even just the page where Catwoman, like, gasses them when they get out of the, the van, and uh, we get this fight sequence, she's, she's wearing the gas mask. I mean, it's just... It's, it's beautiful. It's, I, I, I love the way that this is. It's, it's free-form, there's no... There's no like paneling. It's just she pops up out of the smoke and mm-hmm. kicks or what, or punches and whatever happens, and you just see it. You know this, this random smattering of of violence uh, works it, really well. The beautiful transition from that page to the next is that there's two guys in the van who open the doors, and then the top panel on the next page when they open the doors, they're actually sort of like pushing the smoke to the sides, right? So the previous page, it's all freeform with no paneling. It's all just the smoke and the cloudiness, and then the very first panel on the next page is the smoke being cleared in, in the panel as an action. Yeah. It's a really smart little transition. And then Catwoman, of course, uh, takes them down. It's all funny. Uh, they basically trick the the corrupt cop who was like, you know, paid to watch the shipment uh, by having him follow a fake van uh, with its empty. Uh, and it's all, all this, all that. Uh, she goes... Because we, we know that this... Uh, the, the the gun runner, you know, the, the other you know mob boss lady at the strip club, she... she it kind of like ratted on her uh, to begin with the end of last issue. Yeah. And Bacalwin still goes to her and she says like, hey, we got a deal now. I've proven that I can do this. Uh, it's all very good. But at the end of the issue, uh, she says, you know what? I think I like Catwoman. I, you know, Selena Kyle, you know, she, she's feisty. She's this, she's strong. She's independent, all this stuff. But she called it my streets and she's got too many like morals and ideals. And she's got a sniper looking at Selena, take the shot. And it was that, you know, it was right as this was happening. I was like, Wait a minute, we had like an assassin last issue who was like watching and her. I almost want this to be the last page of the issue though. You know, that that last panel, you take the shot the and it's just, it's yeah. a black panel, just says bang. I kind of want that to be the end of the issue. Like, there's only like two pages after that, but I feel like that's a more effective end. I th- It kind of is, but I, I kind of love 
that it, it, you know this is where it sort of brings back this assassin from last issue because there's a moment where she says take the shot I'm like wait a minute there was already an assassin watcher what happened to him and then the very next page the, the gunshot was him taking out the you know the sniper and saying no 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 like you, you don't take another man's kill and uh, talking about how you know when i kill her i'll wait until she's at her happiest i'll wait until she's actually feeling she's on top of the world and i'll take it from her I'll, you know I'll... because ram v understands storytelling yes it's it's it's, it's wonderful stuff um the pacing is wonderful the art's gorgeous uh coloring's immaculate throughout even, even just like the, the the silent panels uh well not even that silent but it's hardly it gets a note from catwoman saying to go to the storage locker because she doesn't want the drugs she wants them off the street uh so she's basically just sort of set them up in a storage locker for him along with some handcuffed bad guys <laughs> to, yeah. to take in um but you know the idea that we we go from like you know the purples of the of the club where the, the mob boss lady is uh, to the the rainy streets and then it becomes like a really blue rainy street when the catwoman's there and the assassin's like on the rooftop like it really plays with the coloring and the, uh, the yeah. setting of each scene the coloring's wonderful when it's with hadley uh especially uh whether that's you know kind of at his apartment or you know or if he's just coming out of the gcpd offices wherever it is at the end mm. and uh, at the start like he's inside the, the gcpd in the offices um it feels like i'm reading gotham central with the color, with that does, flat no, beige coloring, um, oh, I honest, really like it. Yeah, honestly, the book has a Gotham centrally feel to it, which is weird given that we're following Catwoman mainly. And but because she's doing crime stuff and it's really well executed crime stuff, it kind of has a vibe like a, a crime movie vibe to it. And it does, yeah. And it had that last issue as well, to be fair. But here it um, has that too. And I, I think because it revolves around this Van Heist, it gives it this focus that lets us just fo- follow a fun thing. And there was so much information set up last issue that as I was starting this, I'm like, oh, you know, okay, I remember vaguely these characters, but I think what this issue does that's really smart is because it lets us focus on a really simple plot of watching this plan unfold. As it brings in the characters we learned about last issue, it became very easy to remember who each of them were, the context of what they are in the story. And it's something that there's there's other comic books that really struggle with this, but they'll introduce a lot of new characters in a book. And it'll get to the next issue, and I'll be like, "Oh God, who are these characters?" Like, I, you know, nothing, none of this is stuck. And I think this is almost a masterclass in how to reiterate who they are without it feeling like a chore, keeping it entertaining, and I think keeping the plot of the second issue very simple to let all of those things sort of drip back through to the point now when we get to issue three, all of these characters have been reinforced a little bit. So next time it'll be even easier to sort of remind us who they are because they're starting to become established in our minds. Um, yeah. and I think it's, that's really smart uh, you know me and, and, and Matt as well were, were banging the drum on Hawkman for like two years about how it was like low key like our favourite ongoing book like mm-hmm. you know that and, and obviously that has now unfortunately come to an end this this might be kind of it kind of already starting to take that spot because we had two proper issues and we had the the issue as well by the 25 where it was kind of the setup issue as well yeah it was, it was a two Oh, it was a tie-in and then two backup stories, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, but between that and, and kind of and then into these two issue, proper issues, I feel like this kind of might be taking that place as not like one of the major books, but probably the one I'm going to look forward to most any week that it's out on. Yeah, I'm finding myself being excited for it now, uh, which is a very good sign. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just such a strong book uh, and. You know, I've seen Fernando Blanco on a lot of books over the last few years. Um, I think we, sort of, we obviously he was doing Catwoman with George Jones for a bit, but 
Before that, I think he did some Batwoman for a while. Uh, after the first arc, uh, you know, he's popped up on quite a few things, and I've always thought, oh, you know, his art's solid. Um, but all of us, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's doing anything different, if it's just the the way this script suits his art, or if it, maybe it's the colors bringing something out. I don't know, but whatever it is, all of a sudden it's like the the best I've ever personally enjoyed it. You know, uh, suddenly it just feels uh more to my taste of of what this book is uh yeah i'm I'm loving it what are you giving it uh it's a nine from me yeah i'm giving it a nine too uh pretty immaculate to be honest and exciting good good pacing soaking in atmosphere there's there's very little to complain about i i really hope the two months off for future state doesn't kill the momentum of the book i think we should be okay because i believe ram v is still doing the catwoman future state issues so we might still be getting the you know that 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 void will be filled still. Um, so we should be okay. I hope. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm digging Catwoman a lot. It is quickly becoming one of my most anticipated books every month. Rorschach issue two. Tom King and Jorge Fornes on the art. Uh, and speaking of excitement, Catwoman was uh, I was excited for this week. I was also very excited for Rorschach because I loved issue one. Um, and I know you weren't quite on that same level, but that's okay. Yeah, I didn't read this. Uh, I, 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 I was re- getting through my list, and I was like, all right, I got Rorschach. I was like, and I kind of, I felt, I don't want to read it, so I didn't. Uh, you're a disappointment in every sense of the, the, the word. Um, this was another fantastic issue. This is... It's, it's early to call this. It is. But I'll be honest, I am not so sure when we get to the end of the two books which one I'm going to like more, this or Strange Adventures. I'm really not sure. Um, This issue is about the detective going into the apartment where the old man, the artist, lived. The the one who was dressed as Rorschach who tried to assassinate the president. And as he's going in at the start of the book... Again, colouring is very smart here because it's alternating between panels that are sort of red-tinged and that's like the potential sort of the the first time that young woman who ended up working with the old man came to see him and the the detective coming in in sort of a more natural-toned colours. And the entire book kind of plays out by alternating between the detective and the present day looking around, sort of sussing things out and talking to the guards or the doorman who works at the, the building uh, the neighbors who are involved because uh, he finds a car with a name on it and it leads him to a neighbor um and there's sort of pieces that are put in place that by the end there's like sort of something that's f- like as f- becomes clear and is figured out as it goes on where you know this woman that he has the name of the detective goes to speak to her and she talks about how yeah you know i, I went on a date with him once you know back in like the, the late 70s or something like that uh, early 80s and when we were both young and it was kind of weird, it was kind of awkward, you know, he was he was a cartoonist, you know, not like the real man kind of idea, and he kind of awkwardly asked me in the elevator if, you know, he could kiss me, you know, when we got back upstairs, and I just told him no, and that was kind of it, and he was this quiet guy who never really talked, but she then got married, and it became this thing where the husband found out about this story and would kind of tease him about it, and seemingly in good fun, but we see, like, sort of time passing by, and it all kind of bubbles up because this husband died via a heart attack uh, maybe like a month or so ago. 
And then this other neighbor who has now swapped apartments with her because she needed a smaller place, uh, talks about, you know, various things and it becomes clear that there's, there's more to this and it, it all ends up revolving or dissolving into the idea that essentially this old guy had this resentment and had been basically holding a grudge for like 30 years and kicks in the door as Rorschach with this young woman and this is like right before they go and try and kill the president and scares the shit out of him so much that he's like you know he's that's sort of classic scene where he's like oh, i need my pills i need my pills and he, he dies and has a heart attack on the floor and there's just there's little things set up there's a scene where um the neighbor or the doorman talks about finding the old man like with a bloody nose and how it was kind of weird and he wouldn't tell him what happened but then later on we find out that he got into a bit of a fist fight with this husband and it, you know, so the pieces start clicking out of place in a different order but there's some really fun stuff in there um, a lot of it is about setting up the type of character that this old guy is. It kind of establishes some key things. It establishes that he's actually been talking kind of like Rorschach for a long time. Like there's there's pages uh, set like you know in the eighties where he's already kind of talking in kind of a a stilted manner, the, the kind of stilted Rorschach esque way of thinking, and he's drawing new comics uh, with Rorschach in it. In fact, there's a couple of pages in the middle of this book. It's it's like two pages that the detective finds, and it's a black and white couple of pages of his Rorschach comic fighting, um, what's it called, the Unthinker, and it's very pulpy. It's just this idea of that he's he's kind of like getting out his frustrations and the idea that oh Rorschach was about exposing the truth, and that him overhearing uh, this couple talk about oh yeah Reagan will take us to Vietnam and win the war and blah 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 and like we'll do this and we'll do that. And he obviously disagrees with that. And it's this idea that the masses are too dumb and they, ha- they have to be corrected. And, you know, the idea that he's villain and he's called because called the unthinker. It, like, it's very kind of in your face. and it's, it's But it's supposed to be because it is this kind of like almost pulpy... Uh, uh, propaganda is not the right word. But in, in a way that it's, it's definitely clearly trying to get across this this agenda that he's pushing. And... This idea that he idolizes Rorschach. He's, he's kind of like a... He's basically an incel. And he's been an incel that's grown into old age and is still an incel. And that's what's kind of driving him to this. Um, It's really interesting. It's, it's actually... This comic's got the, the, the apartment number on it. It leads him to the, the the guy who turns out to have just swapped apartments with the uh, with the, with the woman. Um, But the way this is told, the pacing of this is, is so fantastic. It flows so wonderfully. Um, the, the way it sort of unravels more details and everything in the comic is about building up who this guy is and giving us a sense of the character that he was and the person that he was that led him to the decisions that he made uh, up to the assassination attempt. And the girl herself is still a mystery. In fact, the, the book ends with uh, the detective kind of leaving and going to, like, okay, I'm, go- I'm going to look where she came from, like her hometown, to try and investigate her. So it wouldn't surprise me if issue three is kind of a similar character study of who this young woman was from, from like, you know, secondhand accounts and from whoever else there is. Um, but wonderful, wonderful stuff. Like, like I say, a lot of the flashback stuff's got this red tint to it, which really comes to light when he like not kicks in the door and like, you know, comes after this husband character where it starts flashing like the, uh, you know, the, 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 the heart rate kind of panels in between as he's dying. Uh, there's a lot of red, it's all very sort of tilted, it's all anger, so it's like it's meant to represent the anger, like, 
you know, the, the detectives world is a bit more normal in a kind of a cold way. Everything's kind of dull and almost sterile. But then, then you go into these flashbacks, and because it's all about him, it's just it's tinged with a hint of anger. Uh, it's it's honestly, this stuff is masterful, and it's raining the whole time outside. It's got that mood. We hear some narration at the end, uh, some a conversation with a detective and his superior. They they want to like announce that this was like you know a couple of nut jobs, and it's not like anything else. And the detective's like, no, hold off, don't announce anything yet. Let me look into this. And the guy's like, I'll buy you time. But, you know, he's, fight- he's fighting the powers that be. He's fighting, like, what the people up above want. Um, it's kind of a cunning, a running theme in a lot of King's work. Uh, I-, I get the impression that working for the CIA, probably, uh, was a very tense job with a lot of superiors breathing down your neck. Um, which I is think a- he's just talking about DC editorial. I mean, <laughs> that's true. I mean, if he's making fun of Diddy, he can just say it now. He's gone. You know, he just, you know. Uh, that's true. Um... But no, I, I honestly, this is such a well-crafted comic. Uh, it really is, and it, the art is absolutely immaculate. It's again, it's got that kind of. Uh, I've heard people. I think it was Matt actually on Twitter. You know, said the first issue had a very Brubaker Phillips kind of kind of vibe, and yeah, it's, it's got that political thriller, uh, the mystery of who these two people are and why they did what they did, and you know, I I am wondering like exactly. Like, how does this become 12 issues? I'm not, I'm not sure how it goes to 12 issues. I think we have to maybe move on to other characters at some point. Not not from, away from the detective, but the idea that this book is not about one person named Rorschach. It's about the people that Rorschach might have inspired or the legacy that he's left behind. Uh, so I do wonder if we're going to be going on to other people that he's inspired in some different ways uh, as things unfold. Assuming that this guy was completely working alone, well, not alone, he's with the woman, but like the idea that they're just two kind of like there's this pair. Uh, or is there something more to this? Is there something a bit more organized? It doesn't seem like it so far, but I, I genuinely wonder because we have, you know, 10 more extras. And I'm, but I, I say that not in a worried way. I, I say that in a, oh, I'm excited to see where this kind of keeps unraveling to. How does it expand out from here? Um, as this says, it's such a focused and crafted issue about this old bastard. And it does come from all these second-hand accounts for the most part. Uh, you only hear him say something if there was other characters around to hear it, for the most part. Uh, but, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of debatable that sometimes he's muttering things under his breath that maybe they wouldn't hear. Or something like that, but other than that, that's it. Um, so, it, it's really going all in on the investigation that is the idea, that we're only learning things as a detective's learning it. Um, and even the idea that the opening's kind of like going between, like, what probably happened with how she came here, the idea that this, this artist is famous, so people, you know, eventually, every so often the doorman would let a fan in to go see him, uh, which seems very unprofessional, to be honest. <laughs> I think that doorman would get out. Depends how big the bribe is. Yeah. But, they should probably just walked in, and it, you know, it it goes panel from panel, sort of swapping between her going into the elevator and going up, and the detective going in and going up. And just that, again, just the idea of walking through the scene of the crime kind of idea. Like, there's a lot of that pacing. There's a lot of that uh, just oozing throughout. Uh, it's full of atmosphere. Everything, and I said this in the first issue, thing, but everything from the haircuts, the trench coat the detective's wearing, the, 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 the shitty old-looking wallpaper in the halls of this apartment building, it's all very specifically chosen. And it is, it is wonderful. So... I am giving this a straight 9 out of 10. I think it's a fantastic comic book. Um, and it's becoming one of my most anticipated. 
Um, and it's different as well. It's, it's a little bit different. Because I, I think Strange Adventures is, is really, really, really good. It is fantastic. But it definitely feels like the, the guy who did Mr. Miracle, right? It definitely feels like an extension of the same kind of uh, style. This feels like it's kind of a different gear. Like, this is a different, you know, talent he has is this type of story. At least so far. Maybe he'll shut the pit as it goes on. But so far, I'm loving it. Um, I'm curious to see what Matt says about this when he uh, eventually makes his diabolically wonderful return. Yes, diabolically wonderful. That's what I'm saying. Okay, say whatever you want. That's wonderful because it won't just be you anymore. And I can be happy here again. Uh, so, <laughs> no, I need a time for me. I, I like Rorschach. There's a lot of reasons to be skeptical about the, the the existence of this book. There's a lot of reasons to think, oh, I don't want a book that's to do with Watchmen. There's too many Watchmen things. And I, I completely get it. I do. But it's it's not just doing, oh, here's somehow Rorschach's back from the dead and this is what's happening. It's just doing something different and a little creative. And, and remember, this is actually set post-TV show. This is set in the continuity where the TV show exists, which is also pretty fascinating. So, um, it may not even be that relevant in the long run. It may just be a little Easter egg in the first issue, but as it is, that's where it was. It was a conscious choice, though, to do that set. It definitely was. So, yeah, maybe, if not the characters from the TV show, maybe there'll be something in the world that they want to use uh, mm. later on that'll be, be relevant. But uh, that is that. So that'll take us on to the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week, panel slash moment, uh, cover art, and obviously top five. So, Connor, what is your panel slash moment of the week? Uh, mine is from Catwoman, and it's when they're in the, the, the chase and the heist, and it is the page where the kid's on the bike and the car's right behind them and the headlights are shining across. It's that top panel especially, um, where it's got the scree in the pink uh, text. Uh, is just stood out to me uh, as, as kind of went up a notch in, in that issue. Uh, so yeah, it was pretty great. Yeah, I'm going with a panel from Rorschach. Uh, so there's a scene where the doorman helps him up. This is this is the scene. I was talking about how he finds him with like a bloody nose uh, after this fight, and it seems to be when he's about to draw this Rorschach comic that the detective finds later. But there's a really little touch here again, very symbolic, where as he goes to start drawing this, as the doorman's walking out, uh, some blood from his nose drips on the page. So there's literally blood on the page where he's about to draw his comic, which he's basically going to draw out of anger. This is him like letting his creative like anger flow. Um, so it's a bit on the nose. There's blood on the page, but uh, it works, especially since you know the, there's a red, there's a sort of like I say, red tint or uh, maybe red is a bit too strong of a word, but it's definitely a warm tint to to all these these scenes with the old man and the flashbacks. But the red blood on the white page really sticks out. Uh, so I think it's what, and not even that. I mean, one could argue it's kind of like an ink blot in some ways. I mean, after all, an ink blot is just a, a splatter, <laughs> so it's not. Uh, without having seen this, it sounds reminiscent of the ink on the uh, the smiley face pin. I don't think the blood. Sorry, you because you just said ink. Oh yeah. Uh yeah, yeah I guess yeah. It's, it's less of a drip though, more of a splat. Hmm. Because the one in the smiley face is sort of dripping down, so it's sort of got it a is, long, yeah. sort of oozing look to it. Uh, but I'm, I'm going with that. It's a, it's a subtle thing. And also, I didn't want to pick something for Catwoman, because you did, so. <laughs> but uh, that is my uh, my pick. All right, cover of the week we got. Uh, there's quite a few good ones this week, actually. 
I didn't look through all the metal ones because there's a lot. I had a, a quick glance. Um, but I think for me it comes down to either the Catwoman variant, which is a, a prison cover, or probably the the Middleton cover for Metal, which is uh, the Wonder Woman one. It's the, uh, it's spoiled this way. There's two different Middleton covers to choose from. Hmm. Yes. Middleton one is pretty good. Um... I'm just eyeing up things just now. I do. Uh, I do quite like the general uh, Justice League cover from I, Sharp. I like both Rorschach covers. Um, I quite like. I mean, Matina Batman's usually pretty gorgeous, typically. Um, yeah. So I'm having a hard time picking this week. Um, I think I'm going to go with the regular Rorschach cover just because it's very simplistic. Um. Yeah. You know, it's just the two, the two sort of figures with the shadows and the silhouettes walking into like a a sort of red skull, but it's kind of also like a, a Rorschach face in the way it's presented. Um, I dig it. Let's go. I'm, I'm going with the minimalist one this week as opposed to the fancy art. Mm. So, uh, best art of the week then? Uh, I mean, for me, it comes down to either uh, Catwoman or or death metal uh, there's no way it's not one of those choices and uh as much as i like capullo and what, and what he's doing i think i am going to edge it to catwoman mm. for me it's also a choice of two things but death metal is not actually in the conversation for me for me it is a uh, catwoman and rorschach it's uh i thought it would be i mean fauna is a very good artist so it, it was know. it was funny is that they're both doing kind of like not exactly the same tones but they're both doing crime is kind of the funny thing is there's definitely some parallels to be drawn um and i think i'm gonna give it to rorschach uh and i hate to just give rorschach everything this week but sorry like, right, i'm giving calvin everything so but it is as it just is. It's wonderful. Everything about the art is is basically immaculate. It is exactly perfect for everything it's doing, what it needs to do, and the, the atmosphere it's given me. So, um, there you go. All right, rank your books then. Go. Assuming you had well, rank five of them. <laughs> top five. <laughs> top five books. So do a top five. That's what you say. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, that would be Catwoman at uh, number one, and then and then Metal, and then what do I have for that? Justice League, then Aquaman, I guess. Yeah, I'm going Rorschach yeah. at number one, and then number two, Catwoman, number three, Death Metal, number four, uh, I'll say number four, Aquaman, number five, Justice League, but there you go. Hmm. Pretty straightforward. And there you go. So I'll tell you what's coming next week then from DC Comics. Uh, so we have Detective Comics 1031, The Flash 766, uh, putting us out of our misery with that four-part uh, fill-in mm. arc. Um, Action Comics 1027, can't wait. Although Carl needs to read this one. I just remembered that. I do. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm not promising to read Flash as well. They promised the one's forcing you to read Flash. Uh, Wonder Woman 767, Red Hood 51, New Era Red Hood starts with that. Uh, Justice League Dark, issue 28, Batman Superman 14, Batman Beyond 49, John Constantine Hellblazer, issue 12, uh, Batman Whitney Presents Harley Quinn, issue 2, Dark Knight's Death Metal, The Multiverse Who Laughs, issue 1, so we got another one shot, uh, there, Suicide Squad, issue 11, which is the final issue of, uh, mm. Taylor's Suicide Squad, which is a shame, because I've been loving that book, uh, Legion of Superheroes, number 11, 
Uh, we got the other history of the DC Universe issue one next week. I, I did not realize that was about to hit. Yeah, me either. Like, we've known this was coming for a while, but for some reason in my brain, it was probably, ah, it's coming at the same time as all the Future State stuff. It'll be in that weird period. Yeah, I'm actually really excited to check that out and see see what's uh, what it's like. Uh, Quite a busy week, though. Um, it's a handful busy. of oversized books as well. It's funny, I, I, I said, uh, oh, I'll definitely read that next Flash issue, because like, I may as well finish the art now, but now I'm looking at it this week and going, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got that, and I've got another Patreon book to do next week as it, well. We'll see, we'll see what the, where the priorities go. But uh, are, are you saying you're not trying the new writer on Red Hood? No. <laughs> but it's a whole new team. Yeah. Um, but that's what's coming next week. Uh, so look forward to all that. Uh, I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordnow, Al Tribesman, Christopher May, sorry, Christopher Moy, I apologize, Brett Williams, and David Brown, uh, they are all our $20 or above patrons on patreon.com slash TV. That is why they refer to it as producers. Uh, but you can, of course, support us for as little as $1 per month. And $1 per month would actually be more than we would make if you watched every ad on every video we put up in MailFuzz TV on YouTube every month. So a uh, dollar is a ton. Don't think it isn't. Um, but you, obviously, at $5 tier, you get early access to the episodes and, and whatnot. So go and have a look and see if you're interested. Uh, you can, of course, support us, uh, support us in other ways as well. Uh, hitting the like button is super important on YouTube, as is subscribing, commenting, letting us know what you think, all that stuff. Get us on the Twitters at DC Comics Podcast uh, for updates and, and questions when we need questions and stuff like that. Uh, but otherwise, that's pretty much us. Um, so here endeth issue, well, I'll say issue, episode 228. Um, I'm just getting close to 250. That's going to be a. March, April. Yeah, it'll be thing. sometime next year, yeah. Yeah. Well, but obviously, because a year's 52 weeks, uh, the 50 episode anniversaries keep getting slightly earlier. Like, it goes down by two weeks every year. So, yeah. We started at the end of May. So, I think we're like mid April now, maybe a start of April when we get to these 50 anniversaries. Do we know what? Uh, this is a random thing to yeah. ask at this point of the show because uh, it's just popped in my head. Do we know what the publishing's like from DC around Christmas this year? If we got a week off to do our annual, or have we got a fit in an extra episode that week. I don't think we've got a week off this year. I think... God damn it. I think it worked out that way because of Weird Christmas Lay the last couple of yeah. years. But this year, they're not doing that. So... Bastards. I know. So our annual best of the year is going to have to be an extra recording somewhere, but that's okay. Uh, good news for you guys, I suppose. You get an extra episode. It's a Christmas treat. Um, well, more of a New Year's treat by the time we get it. day. <laughs> But uh, in spirit, Christmas treat. Um, but yeah, uh, there you go. So that's episode two, 228. So thank you very much for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics, guys. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.